Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats just for a moment. I'd just like to spend a couple of minutes bringing greetings and get right into the Word. And I just come back from uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And it is amazing the people in the South and how many connections there are with people that live here and people who have relatives there or people who have been touched through the ministry of, of Brother Ed through the years. And uh, probably a hundred people told me to, to greet Brother Ed, so I'm just going to just give him blanket greetings like, like he does sometimes. And uh, Brother John and Brother Tim and Brother Murphy and uh, all, all the brothers that, that minister here, they, they've all been a, a blessing. Some of them have been to the meetings down in North Carolina. Some of them have been to Murfreesboro. And uh, I've had the opportunity to travel quite a bit and really had a privilege to travel a little bit with Brother Ed. And I'm, I'm always amazed that when Brother Ed would, would go and he, he just walked to the pulpit and then God would get a hold of him. And all of a sudden it was this, this wonderful gift went to work. And then after the service, he went right back to being brother again. Just just my humble, my humble brother it was like a, it was like a paradigm shift for me. And. It, it took a while to, to really to really grasp that it's not a man, it's a gift that's that's in the man. And, and any time any time a person wants to be lifted up or to be to be praised or get some kind of recognition, um, it, it it's all God. It's all God <clears throat> that's in us, God that moves, and God that's that's chosen to give us this precious revelation in these last days. And the first place I went to was was Brother Benny Perry's. And uh, I remember the first time I met Brother Benny, it was at uh, Brother Henry Green's camp meeting. And he and Brother Isaiah Brooks and Brother Simmons and Brother Anderson, they'd all come in at one time. And uh, and I was at the meeting, and I met them, and God just knit our hearts together, myself and Brother Isaiah Brooks in the beginning. And so Brother Benny asked me to speak at his dedication service, and he told me about what was happening and I said, well, you know, I'd love to come, but if Brother Ed could come, that'd be great because these people would have a connection with somebody who was a friend of the prophet. So Brother Ed couldn't come at that time, but a few months later, myself and Brother Ed and Brother Milko went down there. And then Brother Ed was going down for many years, and it really had an impact in that part of the country. And uh, all the meetings around the country, when, when a minister comes and speaks, there is a connection because we're all one body. We've all got that supernatural DNA inside of us, and we're all come from the same place, and we're all going back to the same place. And it's, it's just such a it's, it's such a, a supernatural world that that you and I are living in, and that we're, we're transdimensional travelers, and we're living in two worlds at the same time. We're living in a natural world, but at the same time, that supernatural world is open and available to us as long as we want to tap into it. And as long as we know how to tap into it and who we're tapping into. And, uh, you know, God has opened that window. It's a, it's, it's a marvelous window into his mind and his plan that he had from before the foundation of the world. And I remember when I first coming in, I would read some, some quotes and Brother Branham said this. And now God, being a savior, it was necessary that he predestinate a race of people who would fall in order to give himself reason and purpose for being. And my mind had to go around that one a whole bunch of times. And, and I said, Lord, if that's what you need, here, here I am. If, if you need a reason, a purpose for being, you know, I'm, I'm your man. 
and, uh, and, and so many things that, uh, that, that, that came so powerfully and so marvelously and so simply and so humbly. That was the, the marvelous thing about it. And, you know, Brother Branham oftentimes would say, well, you know, people would come up to him and they would say, well, these people are, are making, making too much of you. And Brother Branham says, well, you always talk about the people who go too far, but you don't talk about the people who don't go far enough. Because they didn't recognize the gift. They didn't recognize that was Elijah. That was the, and I, I wanna, what was it like? We can't even imagine, but what was it like to be a man that you were the only one on the whole earth, the whole human, the human being that knew what God was doing and what his plan was? And what a burden that must have been. And, and what a pressure that had to be. And, and, you know, Satan buffeted him and told him, you know, you're not good enough and, I remember when he, when he went to Oklahoma and he saw Oral Roberts and all the meetings out there and, and the devil tried to sell him, well, you know, uh, God can trust Oral, but he can't trust you. And then God said, well, he said, you know, you have me. You know, what, what's that, to, what's that matter? You've got me. And, uh, and, and that was an encouragement to him. And, and that's an encouragement to us. And I, I've had many people and I try to tell them what I believe and they say, well, you know, you, you, you've lost your mind. And I said, yeah. My mind never did anything but get me in trouble. And, and God, in His mercy, has given me the mind of Christ. And, uh, and the more God reveals to you, the more humble that, that you want to be. And, but at the same time, you, you, you want to be, you want to be thankful for the message. And Brother Ben often said, I wonder if people are really, are they really impressed with what God is doing in the midst of them? And uh, so I, I'm impressed, friends, and, and my, my desire in life is to be holy and happy and humble. And, and that's a balancing act, because sometimes you get so happy and, and you're running around and you're excited. So people say, well, how, how come you're so happy when you're supposed to be humble? So you got to come up be happy, holy and humble. And, you know, you can't get holy in a hurry. I heard, I heard a prophet say that a long time ago. And that's one of those nuggets that was just like a tattoo on my brain. And so, so let's stand to our feet. I want to go right into the Word. So all, all the pastors that I visited with, Brother Benny Perry, Brother Samuel Dale, Brother Tim Humes, and Brother Danny Steeman. And uh, it, it was just so wonderful to, to be with those brothers and to see what God is doing in their churches. And it was wonderful that the, the, I was at Brother Tim and we had a Tuesday night prayer meeting and a Wednesday service and Thursday morning early he was flying out to Texas to meet Brother Tom and have those meetings out there. So uh, I was so excited to know that Brother Tom and Brother Tim Humes were going to get a chance to meet each other and and they said, I heard it said that those two T's are two, two, two tremendous things. <laughs> Tom and Tim ministering at the same service in the same same meetings. So if we can turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy in chapter 3. And what I'd like to speak about is uh, is very, very fresh to me. And in fact, when I was coming home last night, I ran out of paper. And so this is the, uh, I took this out of the the uh, United, the United Hand, and I was sitting there and I was just scribbling. And, you know, Brother Branham said, uh, he's a pick up your pen and write. So I was doing that. I was picking up my pen and, and I was writing as I was flying. So uh, in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, let's pray before we read. 
Father, we thank you for this sacred atmosphere that you allow us to come into. To know, Father, that there are supernatural beings in this place going up and down the aisles to help out in the meetings, Lord. And you've opened our eyes to, 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 to wondrous miracles and, and things that you have done in our day and things that you are doing and things that you will do. And we have tomorrow's headlines today, Father, just right up to date, just so fresh and so new. And we see it happening every day. Sometimes every hour of every day, we see things or hear things or you open a door for us or you close a door and you say, yes, go. No, don't go. And we thank you for that super sense that you've given us, Father, that we can be super sensitive to the supernatural at all times in our life. We ask you to bless the word, Father. Pray that you would just move in in the hearts of your children and just uh, help some of them just come up a little bit higher, a little notch higher, Father. And and help me, Father, to just just yield myself and get out of the way and and uh, just just let it be you and your word that is spoken and that is treasured in the hearts of your people tonight, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. God bless you. You can have your seats. And I think that any, any reader of the Bible, when they read this and you have any kind of a, of a knowledge of what's going on around us, you can see that, that this world, there has been an invasion and, and Satan's Eden is on display, the God of this evil age, the anointed ones at the end times, flashing right light of his coming. All these things are happening right, right before our eyes. And you go, you go right into that word, it says, in the last days, perilous time, dangerous time shall come. And this is a real time of danger because there are so many intoxicants in the world today, so many dangers. And, and brother, said, every generation, the people, the, the temptation is ten times, ten times greater. And I, I, I know the temptations that, that I experienced in my youth, and I can't even imagine what it's like to be a young person growing up in this age with the pressures of this age. And you think, you know, some, some parents without a real understanding, they don't know, they're giving their children smartphones at 12 and 13 years old, and they close that bedroom door, and their child is sitting there, and they've got the whole world right in front of them. They can go anywhere they want, all around the world, all kind of movies and all kind of profanity and, and the Facebooks and chats and making pictures back and forth to one another. And there was one family out in California that they're a real crazy Hollywood family. And this one, she's famous for, for taking pictures of herself. 
And, and she wrote an, an article said that when she sends that picture to her, to her, she calls them her fans every day, she has to take 2,000 pictures. They call them selfies. She has to take 2,000 selfies of herself before she gets the right one, and that's the one that she sends. Now, you want to talk about vanity and narcissism and egotism at, at a high level. And, and, and the world, they love it. They, they love, these are the stars and the heroes in the world. Now, nobody can, can, can help us to understand how we are built like a prophet of God because he had the mind of God for this day, for this generation. And we had the, the word End time circumstances will be met by the end time message. And every generation, they had their word. Every generation has their music for their day. And Brother Branham explained to us how we are built. And, uh, you know, if you take this, the, the, the analogy of an egg. And by experience, we can look at that egg and we've got the outside shell. And by, by experience, we know there is an egg white inside there and there's also an egg yolk inside that. And the human being is, is the same way. And Brother Bram talks about the, the outward part of our being, the physical being. And we've got five compartments. And I don't want to label them as importance, but we just go from the eyes, ears, taste, touch, and smell. And each one of those compartments, it is a separate and distinct entity from the other one. Like if a person didn't have their eyes, they'd be blind. If they didn't have their ears, they would be deaf. If they didn't have some people, they don't have a sense of smell because of illness or medication. Some don't have a sense of taste. Everything tastes the same to them. And some people through paralysis or, or you know, being injured in a war, they don't have a, a sense of, of feeling like we do. They don't have that sense of touch. And so each one of those realms, Satan wants to attack you in. And, and the eye gate, you know, it's often said, watch what goes into your eyes and ears, because once you make a choice, and, and the great power that God has put into our hands is the power of free will. So we have the power of choice. And we, we do it sometimes unconsciously, but we make hundreds and hundreds of choices every day. Riding down the road, you make a whole bunch of choices. Go in to buy things at the store. So all these choices that we, but we do them sometimes we're unconscious. And, and so the eye gate and, and, and what we allow, what we allow in our eyes through what we read or what we watch or what we hear or on, on our computers. Once that goes into the eye, it goes to the back road of your mind. And there it's automatically it produces a thought. An unconscious thought. And, and if you're not guarding your eyes, that thought will become a word. And words produce actions. Actions form habits. Habits produces character. And character determines our destiny. And so we have got to be, we've got to be warriors guarding our eyes and guarding our ears. Because uh, unfortunately, once you allow it to go in there, it, it, it's hard to erase it. And there's a lot of things. There's, Lots of things in my life I would like to erase. Lots of things I've seen. Lots of things I've heard. And when I was growing up, rock and roll music was just starting to get popular. And I can walk into a store and, and all of a sudden uh, the, uh, music would come on for my generation and my feet would just start tapping it. And it's automatic. It, it, it's almost like you can't help it until you become conscious. Oh, I, I don't want to listen to that. You know, the, it's, that's the Beatles music. And Brother Branham said they came out of the pit of hell. I wonder what he would say about the rap music today. 
the hip-hop music, the punk music, and uh, I think they call it techno music. And, and, and these things, thousands of concerts are going on every month all over America. And young children are going there. And, and, and at teenagers, they're being indoctrinated with the music of their generation. And you, you look at them, and they might look normal. They might look natural. But I can tell you, friends, their minds are being wired. Their, their minds are so far different, a son of God to a child of, of the world. You're, you can look at them, and, and it's like, you know, you are a creature from another world. You're aliens, pilgrims, and strangers. And we have a lot of people, they call them ufologists. And they're out there, and they get all kind of listening device, and they're trying to listen in if there's aliens up there, and, and, and they want to hear a signal. And, and I wonder what our government would like. If we did find aliens, would our government shoot them down? Would they nuke them? So if they're looking for somebody from another world, here I am. I'm from another world. And I wonder how you're going to treat me. You're looking for people out there, but they're right here. And, and you're out there flying soft. Well, those are investigating angels. They're coming down. And, and they just, they, I think they come just to bug the world. So, the, oh, what's that? Did you see that? Oh, a flying, oh, flashing star. Investigating angels. Looking, investigating, coming down to see what's going on in this world. And, uh, you know, so to be holy and happy and humble is, is a balancing act. And it, whatever, whatever we do, we want it to be not about me. It's all about, it's all about Him. And so the, the people, they're going to be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Now, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now, now we read that, and, and we just kind of, you know, take that. But, but that was, I mean, as it was in the days of Noah, eight souls out of the whole world were saved. He said, how, how could that how, how could only eight out of the whole world? And, and the people have no idea. Brother Rand said they had, they, they had nuclear power back there. They had radar. They could shoot the sky and see there's no rain up there. Noah's, you're, you're a crackpot. And they might have worked on that ark for 30, 50, 70, 80 years and finally just gave up. And a lot of people, we've walked with them for 10, 20, 30 years and they just walked away. They just gave up. And, and, and not only that, but they probably laughed at Noah and they mocked him, made fun of him. I don't know if somebody said it a while ago. If Jesus was here today, what would social media say about Jesus today? Or any of the church age messengers, if they were alive and they had social media in their day, they would be blasted. They'd be locked up. Brother Brown said if Paul was here in this generation, they'd have him locked up pretty quick. He would not abide what's going on in this generation without going out there and blasting it with everything that, that's, that's in him. And so the, the eyes and the ears and then the taste and the touch, each one of them is separate and distinct and the realm of touch. And that's where people, they get into a lot of trouble. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And, and like Eve, where Eve gave in to a temptation by the serpent. And we look back and say, how in the world did Eve give in to that temptation? No, if that was me, I never would have gave in to that temptation. 
Well, I'm, I wonder, what are we doing now? What are we doing every day in our life? As Satan comes and he wants to tantalize you and help, wants to take all the tinkle and, and, and put it around you to go into your eyes and go into your, your ears. And so that's just the, the physical part. And, it, and, and if we live in that, in, in that physical part, that's a dangerous, dangerous part. But now you go into the inside and that's your, your conscience, memory, imagination, reason, and affections. And I've had the opportunity, and sometimes, you know, not an opportunity, I've listened to some of the best so-called public speakers in the world. I've listened to psychologists, psychiatrists. I have read just about every motivational, inspirational book I could get my hand on. And and, and, in regards to the supernatural intelligence that is available to you and me, every one of them is like a Boy Scout. Maybe a Cub Scout compared to supernatural intelligence. And it's available to us. Now, you know, people want to, they want to, they want to criticize Brother Branham. He did this. He said that. He said this one place. You know, when we read about Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, what we read, you read, well, I read the book of Isaiah. I know everything about Isaiah. You've got a, a little tiny minuscule cliff notes. Of Isaiah's life. You don't know what he went through. You don't know the mistakes he made. You don't know anything about his family life, his finance. You don't know anything about them. All as we know is what God wanted to show us. Now, could you imagine if God wanted just to show you the highlights of Brother Branham's ministry? If God wanted to show you everything about Jesus' ministry, it said if everything that he said and done, it were recorded, all the books in the world wouldn't hold them. So, so what we read in the Bible, it's just like the high, the highlights, what God wanted to show us. But he was busy. He was active every day. And, and, and that's what we want to be. We want to be active for God. We want to be reverent and humble and in action all the time. And it's sometimes it's in the most unexpected Unexpected times, God allows you to minister or to share or to just let your light shine upon somebody's life. When I was at Brother Tim Hume's church, there was a brother there. His name is Brother Kenny Capps, and he's a minister at Brother Tim's church. And way back in the days when I was going to so-called Bible school, I just say so-called Bible school because when I came out of there and I came to the message, I had to unlearn about 90% of everything I learned there. Had to unlearn homiletics and hermeneutics and all, all those kind of things. They may sound like strange languages to you. And once you come to the school of the prophets, it is a strange language. But anyways, I was there and I came to the message. I went back there and I started witnessing to some people. And, and I, I came across a man and he was real sincere, real hungry for the word. And so I began to share with him. And so, so he came into the message and his family came into the message. And while I was there at Brother Tim Hume's church... Brother Kenny Capps had married the daughter of that man. And that night, their 15-year-old son was getting baptized. So God just allowed me to be there and to see Sister Kim and Brother Kenny's 15-year-old son be baptized that night. Now, I believe that God takes those kind of connections. And, 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 you know, God is naturally spiritual and normally supernatural. And His bride is supernatural. God has taken us from insanity to reality. And He wants to bring us all the way up to deity. 
But to do that, we, we, we've got to unlearn and, and, and not be influenced by this world. And this world, you know, the TV stars, movie stars, and the rock and roll stars, sports stars, business stars, political stars, they're out there. And they want your attention. And they'll do anything they can to get your attention. A while ago, Brother Tim was saying, I, I struggle. I, I just try to find some sanity in the world, but I can't. And that's how it is. You can't find any sanity in the world. The only sanity is this message. This is the old, this is the mind of Christ. And you cannot be sane in an insane world. No matter how religious they are. No matter how, no matter how much they pray. How much they fast. You know, the rich young ruler. There was a guy. You want to talk about a privilege? He was rich. He was young. He was a ruler. Now that's a good resume. Rich young ruler, but the greatest thing he had was the opportunity to come eyeball to eyeball with Jesus Christ. And he asked the right question, Brother Murphy. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? To rich young ruler, right opportunity, right question, and he gets the right answer. And Jesus looked at him and discerned his life. He said, well, if you want eternal life, go sell everything you got and give it to the poor. And come follow me and be my disciple. And the preaching of the gospel, the true gospel, it either makes somebody mad or glad or sad. One or the other. And the rich young ruler made him very sad. And he walked away because he had great possessions. Now, only a prophet, that's the first day, only a prophet could take you to second stage. When he's there, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm rich. I got it all. I'm going to take it easy now. Maybe retire in luxury. And then the third stage, when God said, thou fool, this, the, you, 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 your soul is required of thee. Then we see him in hell. And, and there's the third stage. And he looks up and God allows him to see Abraham. Abraham, father. Let, 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 let Lazarus come down and drop a little water in my tongue. Nope, can't do it. It's a great gulf fixed between you and him. He can't go here. You can't go there. So then he, he, he wants to kind of get involved. He says, well, uh, send him down to my family and, and let him preach to my family so they don't come to. Nope, no, can't do it. They got Moses, the law, the prophets. And if one rose from the dead, still they could not believe. And, and this word, this word in our generation, it has risen in such a marvelous, supernatural way. And, and, and God, the, God has flashed it before the world. And he's hid it from the wise and the prudent and revealed it to babes such as would believe. And, and so this, this sacred book, this, 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 this holy book, it's come alive. It, it's become a brand, a brand new book. Like Brother Ram said, when he preached the seal, the whole Bible became a brand new book to him. And Brother Bram said, he said, do you like to read between, between the lines? He said, why, why the best part of the Bible is wrote between the lines. Sure it is. As I told you the other night, the Bible is hid from every seminary. You don't know God by seminary experience. You know him by a born again experience. That's right. Nothing against them, but that's all, that's all I got. And, and so a seminary experience is not going to teach somebody the will of God for this day. They're going, they're going to learn about stories. Most of the time, they don't even believe, they don't, they don't believe that Noah actually built the ark and floated away and he only, he and his family were saved. They don't believe that Noah 
they don't believe that, that Jonah. They don't believe any of those stories that to us, they're thrilling. And Brother Ram tells, gives us the whole parable. What happened to Jonah? How he, how he went in the whale's belly and came out. All that was going on there. Whale vomit. Wrapped in weeds all around him. And, and, and then, you know, he, he prays and God comes and he opens the whale's, the, the special built fish. And out we, how it come, he walks out like a gang, on a gangplank. And the people had a great revival. They don't know, they don't, they don't really believe that that happened. This gospel is a supernatural gospel. And Brother Branham says sometimes we don't get deep enough in the spirit. And I, I love it. We say, I wonder, are we sufficiently impressed with what God has done and is doing amongst us? And then he said, he said, he said, look how numb, how dull, how desensitized the people are. And, you know, very, very few prophets in the Bible were ever accepted or they were ever, they were ever acknowledged for who they were and what God was doing in their ministry. And that's the same thing that, that's happened in our day. You know, little things that they, they kind of stick out to me. And I was reading, and faith is the substance. This, this may not mean anything to you, but the first seven words of that message are, we're getting some new gadgets for recording. That's the first seven words. So in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the first seven words out of his mouth is, we're getting some new gadgets for recording. I think, I think that was wonderful for me. That rang my bell. Might not be, might not ring yours like it did mine, but I'm so happy that, that it did mine. And when, when, when Brother Branham came and he preached justification, I mean, that to me, I need to have an up-to-date revelation of justification every day. When I wake up in the morning, I know there's got to be two deaths. I got to die and the devil's got to die. You just bind that yapping dog first thing in the morning. And when I, I imagine myself, you know, when the Bible says resist the devil, he will flee from you. I imagine I'm up on a porch and there's this rabid dog down there and he's gnarling and the foam was coming out of his mouth. And if he could get a hold of my leg, he would do damage. But if I had a big old bucket of boiling hot water, fresh boiling hot water, and if I dumped it on him, what do you think would happen? He would flee. He'd run. And that's how we have the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, praise, righteousness, all these things. They're weapons of our warfare. And it's so important for us when we wake up in the morning. It's more important that we put on the whole armor of God and do it consciously. Put on that helmet of salvation. Appreciate what God has done for you. Having the breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about with truth, feet shared with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and the sword and the shield. No protection for your back. God doesn't want any cowards. He wants soldiers, warriors. And whether you know it or like it or not, when you wake up in the morning, if you're a believer, you have a bullseye on your back. And every demon in hell knows who you are in your area. They know who you are, where your weak spots are. And we had a prophet tell us, cover your weak spot. You know where they are, cover your weak spots. 
You know, some people are weak spot. It might be music. Some people it might be some kind of internet or whatever it is. And and maybe one person they don't. That's not a problem to them. But somebody else, it's a battle that they've got to overcome. And each one of us, we have had to overcome things in our life, and we're continually overcoming, continually understanding who we are, and walking in those steps that are leading right into a rapture. We're on this great supernatural mystical journey, and one day it's just going to be so easy. We're just going to take one step, and we're going to be in that realm. And brother, it's a faster dimension. I think about somebody from the 1800s. These people that came across the West in in the buggies. Could you imagine if, if if you just put them in a Volkswagen? And the Volkswagen was just going just 30 miles down the road. They'd be, they'd be freaking out. It's too fast. Where are you going? And if you speed it up to 50 or 60 miles an hour, they'd probably be under the dashboard. But it's so natural for us because God has speeded up this realm, speeded up the dimension that we're living in. And the word has been speeded up. And we're spiritual astronauts, spiritual scientists. And God has taken his great scientist and his great astronaut and lifted him up and exposed his mind. And then he came down to expose it to us. To give us understanding that there is a bride going to be on this earth. And God has a way and a means to take us to that rapture. So justification. Brother Branham says in in, uh, adoption. He said, now remember, we went through this this morning. Don't jump to conclusions. That's the only exercise some people ever get. (laughs) Jump into conclusions. Brother Branham says, you wasn't saved by the blood. Now, a lot of people, you say that, they're out. What? But Brother Ben said, you're kept saved by the blood. But you were saved by grace through faith, believing it. God knocked at your heart because he predestinated you. You looked up and believed it, accepted it. Now the blood makes a way, makes a covering for your sins. And so with an up-to-date revelation of justification brought in this day, not Martin Luther's justification, not not Wesley's sanctification, but we've come all the way up. And and a prophet have said, and this is this was hard for me to understand, just as if you never did it in the first place. Now, if you don't have a revelation that that was Elijah and he had the mind of God like Moses had the mind of God when he spoke marriage and divorce, if, if you don't understand that, you can never accept it. You keep looking at yourself and you keep remembering your sins because now you're in that realm of your conscience and your conscience is a double-edged sword. It's either cleansed by the blood and you know you're justified or there's guilt, shame, Condemnation, regret, bitterness, all those things in your mind. And if you allow Satan to come and anoint your conscience in that that realm of your past and, and you believe it, you're going to be beating yourself up all the time. Or let Satan beat yourself up. And so one or the other, you're either cleansed or you're guilty. And so we've been given a pardon. We've been let out of jail. And that's, that's, it almost sounds like it's too good to be true. And the message is the only thing in the world that truly sounds like it's too good to be true. Not all the commercials on television, not the latest and the greatest and the biggest and the best, not all those things. Those are all lies, friends. 
Those are all people. Those are lies being spoken from people that are unregenerated. They're only doing what their nature calls for them to do. And so your conscience, see, when you're free, when you're cleansed, you can walk down the road and be happy and be humble and be holy at the same time. Happy, holy, humble. That's who the bride of Jesus Christ is. So I want to ask you a question. Who is in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your eye gate? I have a friend who's blind. His name is Dick Mailman. He was blinded in a gun accident when he was 13 years old. So he has a sensation of knowing what sight is. And I got to spend a lot of time with him. We rode together. We did seminars together. And I asked him, I said, Dick, I said, what would it be like if God could ever open your eyes and you could see again? He said, well, Ernie, he said, I'd love to be able to see. I've never seen my wife. I've never seen my children. So I'd love to see him. He said, but at the same time, I know if I did have sight, I would be just like other people. And I would prejudge people by what they look like or how old they were or how young they were or all these. But what color they were, what race they were, all these prejudices and the, and the bigotry that goes in the world. He says, so so now he, and he's talking about a sixth sense that God gives a blind man. But when you come to the message, you really recognize what that sixth sense is. It's that super sense. And only somebody with a super sense can receive this word and, 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 and bask in it. You can prosper in those realms of the supernatural. It doesn't matter if people think you're a nut. I say, you know, you think I'm a nut? I'm screwed to the right boat. I know that for sure. I'm screwed to thus say it, the Lord. It doesn't matter what anybody, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about me. If I'm sitting on the front row and I'm excited, believe, I have to hold myself back. Because otherwise you really think I'm crazy. This word, I mean, it's so, it's so rich, it's so powerful. It's a dynamo inside of a real believer. You, 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 the word, it's like when the word starts to be preached, it's like I'm an astronaut. It's so a 10, 9, 8, it's a blast off. The message is coming. Word's coming. Power's coming. Insight's coming. Illustration's coming. Revelation's coming. Supernatural multiplication of inspiration and revelation for communication with God. Open your mind and let God impregnate you. I love that. I never heard anybody say that before, brother. You're pregnant in the womb of your mind with deity, with supernatural power and revelation and insight. Well, when I heard that one, that rocked my world pretty good. You tell people you're pregnant. They say, well, what do you mean? Well, you gotta have the whole, you gotta have the whole sentence. You're pregnant with the Word of God. You're pregnant with eternal life. And that's, that's a thrill, friends. People can get excited about ball games. You know, the, the, these baseball players, football, basketball, here in Canada, it's hockey. And I mean, they're so full of themselves. And they're star. It used to be when I was growing up, you could be a star. Then it had to be a, a superstar. But now it's got to be a megastar. It's got to be a mega superstar. And there's a lot of them. Not, not only in, in the sports world, but in the music world, in the entertainment world, in the business world. All, all the commentators, they want to be stars. They want the camera on them. All the commentators, everybody. They, it's all about me. No, it's not all about you. It's about me. It's about me and him and me. That's what it's all about. And that's got to be a personal... Brother Branham said he wants a personal revelation, an intimate revelation, where you and he come lip to ear. 
When I first started becoming a Christian, I was a little Baptist. And believe me, walking to a Baptist church from a Catholic background, that was a shock. There was no saints, no angels, no holy water, no candles, no scapulas, none of that kind. I said, this must be a pretty poor church. <laughs> Doesn't have all the decorations that I was used to. And I hadn't been there for quite a while, but, you know, I still remember what it was like. I was seven years an altar boy. So now in the preacher, I never heard, I never heard a man preach like that before. And he preached about God's divine judgment for the sinner. And I thought somebody had tipped him off and he was reading my book right here. And and I, I was shaken. I walked out of that, I was shaken. But I went back the next week. Because something inside, oh, I've got to hear some of that again. Now, when he gave the altar call, I didn't go forward. Because it was a church about 300 people. First Baptist Winter Park. Nobody else was going forward. So I, I'm not going to be the only one. I'm not going to be the only walking. Even though I wanted to. God was tugging at my heart to go. But I'm not, I'm not going. But the next week, when he gave that altar call, Brother Roy, I was like a heat-seeking missile. Bam! I was right down there, focused like a laser beam with a burning desire to know if what that man was saying is true. Now, in my mind, all as I was thinking was, if I received Christ, I could turn over a new leaf. That's Catholic doctrine. And you can turn over a new leaf every time you go to confession. Sin all week long, as long as you go to confession on Saturday, you can get communion on Sunday. You know, there's millions of people, tens of millions of people, they go to church every single day. Catholic church. Six o'clock mass, seven o'clock mass. You know why? Because they believe, they believe that that priest, when he's ordained, he gives supernatural power now. He's got the power of transubstantiation. He can take the bread and the wine and turn it into the actual body and blood. Not literal, not symbolic like you and I, but the actual body and blood. And these people go there every day and they stick their tongue out or they now they hold it in their hand because they want deity in their body every day. Talk about sincere friends, good people, righteous people. Go to could you imagine going to service every single day? At either 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning before you go to work, before the day starts? Look at how the Muslim, look at how often they pray. Their whole world stops at a certain time and they got to pray. Now, maybe a ritual, maybe a tradition to a lot of them, but a lot of them are very sincere. And like that man said, he, he said, well, you know, when, 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 uh, when, when, when uh, the prophet comes back, when Allah comes back, the whole world will know about it in 24 hours. He said, you've had Christ for, for 2,000 years and a lot of the world don't even know about him. A lot of people have never heard the name Jesus Christ. India, Africa, China, Australia, Antarctica. Never heard the name Jesus Christ. Never had the plan of salvation broken down to them. So now God, with that revelation of justification, one of the greatest gifts a man could ever get is to be released from his past. It's like we were guilty. We had a death penalty on us. Didn't know it, but it was there. But God turned the key and we go free. So now you're down to the next department in your mind. Not, not that they're not any priority, but the next one, that's your memory. And our memory is either filled with the memories of the disappointments of the past. A lot of people have had hatred, bitterness, prejudice, bigotry, all those things. And, and, and it's there all the time. And all Satan's got to do is come and anoint their mind. And they go right. It's like a journey. They go right back. 
and a lot of things in my mind. I can remember things that happened to me a long time ago when I was just a boy. I can remember the first nun, the first teacher I had in the first grade in Catholic school. I can remember when I received my first communion. And that was a horrible thing because before I received it, the nuns, you got to confess everything you ever did. you got to tell the priest. If you ever stole a cookie, you got to tell the priest. If you don't do it and you go to confess, you go to communion, it's a, it's a sacrilege. Hey, man, a little child, brother Ed, seven years old, having that kind of a pressure put on them. And then when you're 13, you get confirmation. You go, you go to church and the bishop's there and you get there and you go to kiss the bishop's ring. That's when you get the Holy Ghost. And you know, wonder brother Bram said it's the highest form of spiritualism there is on the face of the earth. The other one, I mean, they're like, they're like amateurs compared to the Catholic Church. And if time were to go on to, to 2025, that scam will have been going on for 1700 years. And, and, and the whole world has heard about them. They heard about, you know, how rotten they are and, and all the, 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 the immorality and things. But they just, it's like water off a duck's back. Water off a duck's back. And they just keep going, well, you know, they're sorry for it. And they'll go to confession and they'll be okay. No friends. The memory, you know, what, 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 what I want to do with my memory, I want to remember my future. And the devil might come and he might try to tell you about your past, but I want to tell him about his past. And then I want to remind him about his future and remind him about my future. And it's like Brother Milko would say, finito, done, done deal. He's got no comeback for that. So that, that's, that's the realm of your memory. Now you go down to the station of creation in your imagination. And my, this day, there never has been a day like this where you, your, your mind can be so attracted. You know, now it, it blows my mind when I ride down the road and GPS tells me, turn right here. And, and next 300 yards, verge onto this street. How in the world does that, how's that thing know where I am? So Google, they got the whole, the ground mapped out. Now they're going and they're mapping out video. And people are going there and they got these little helmets. They go to these shops and they get little helmets. And the helmet comes down and they got their own like IMAX. And they got a theater. If they want to go to Eiffel Tower, they want to go to the Taj Mahal, wherever they want to go, they can go there. And they can imagine. And it's just like being there. It's like, they call it virtual reality. And for those people, it is the, re it's the only reality they got. And it's a perverted reality. It's a fantasy world that they're living in. And they love it. They love that. They love that world. And they want more of it and more of it. And the more they get of it, the more perverted they become. The more Satan can anoint their imagination. And brother, brother, they're going to see monsters. That's what it is. They're seeing monsters already. They love it. Any any time a new scary movie comes out, it's a blockbuster. People they want to be scared. Oh, 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 that was a good one. Oh, I walked out. Oh my! You don't need that. You don't want that. That's that's Satan's kingdom. You don't want to be a part of that. You don't want a part of that to come into your mind. But again, you've got the choice. God's put, God's put that freedom. You're on free will, free moral agency, just like Adam and Eve were. Same program, same plan. What are we doing with our free will, the free moral agency? Now, in, in, in the realm of your imagination, I like to take a trip 
and remember what eternity is going to be like. Take a fresh read of the future home of the heavenly bride and bridegroom. And, you know, for me, it was my, my vernacular back then. I said, that one really rocked my world. You know, when I saw where we were going and Brother Branham was able to measure it out and talk about all the, the, the materials that were going to be there. There was a preacher that told a, a story back in the 1800s about this man. He was a very wealthy man. And when he died, he wanted, he wanted all his gold bars to go in the coffin with him. And so that was in his will and his family did it. So it's just a fairy tale, but they said now he gets up to heaven and he said, well, I brought some things with me. And they open it up and he said, he brought pavement. Gold is going to be pavement in the world that you and I are going to, friends. But the world, I mean, they'll give their soul for that pavement. Like the rich young ruler, he gave his soul. What profit a man if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? You know, you know what I'm trying to master? I'm trying to master what Jesus said. In Matthew 6.34, he said, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow will take care of us. There's enough evil in the future. Don't worry about it. That might not mean something to you right now, but someday it might. For most believers, someday it will. Maybe when you're laying in a hospital bed, or maybe you're in an accident, or maybe somebody else in your family is sick, or somebody has a problem, and you, oh, what's the future going to be like? The future, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, we want to plan, we want to plan, we want to do everything we can today. Because yesterday, that's a canceled check. Tomorrow's a promissory note. What are we doing today? Most people, they'll spend more time planning a two-week vacation than they will planning where they're going to spend eternity. They'll go into minute detail. They'll go on. They'll check everything out. Look everything. And where am I going to go? How much is it going to cost? What's the, what's how, how much time in the air? Well, I got to rent a car. And uh, see, and they go and they look. They look all through it, and, and they're just fascinated with this world. But we've got to be transported out of this world into another world, in that realm of the imagination. It's just like the eye is separate from the ears, and the taste, touch, and smell. Your conscience and your memory and your imagination each one of them is a separate compartment but you know they they all merge together we've been doing it so long and it's so natural we just get out of bed and and our eyes and our ears and our taste and our touch and our everything goes together and then our conscience our memory our imagination our reason and affection but what are we fertilizing our mind with if you fertilize it with the world, then the world's going to be your portion. But if you can rise above the world and rise above all the temptations of the world and look into... It's, it's impossible for an infinite mind to understand a finite God. But He's given us a window into eternity. You know, the God that took the stars and just rolled them off His fingers... It used to be in the beginning, back in the, they said, wow, there's thousands of stars in the sky. Then he got a little telescope. No, there's, there's tens of thousands. Then it went to millions. Then it went to billions. Now it's trillions. And now they, that, that Hubble spacecraft is going out there. They said there might be millions of galaxies out there. You know, if you're a Mormon, you believe that pretty good because if you're a Mormon, you believe that when you die, your husband and wife, if they're good Mormons, when they die, they go to their own planet and they become Adam and Eve on the planet. That's a good hook. 
Those guys out there knocking on doors and somebody's in trouble, maybe unchurched, got a religious spirit on him, got a problem. He's nice young men with white shirts and ties riding on bicycles, come there with love and, you know, and, and they're nice. And why don't you come to the temple? I lived in Mesa, Arizona, two miles from the Mormon temple there. And I'll tell you, you walk into that temple and what they, they show you videos and movies and they got the angel Moroni and he's like an automated robot there. And he, when they come, they push the button, he comes alive. And he begins to speak, and his eyes are darting back and forth. And it's almost like you get hypnotized. And then everything they show you and everything they tell you, if you weren't a believer, you say, wow, this is wonderful. And even as a believer, wow, this would be great if it was true. But it's not true. It's a lie. And Satan is the author of lies, friends. But that's what people believe because they're programmed that way. Every denomination, they believe that they are the absolute. They're the ones that got it right. Now all these, these business people and politicians, they believe all education started and ended with me. I've got it right. Everybody else has got to catch up with me. Heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Want their own airplanes. Want to go on the, the retreats to their islands. Want to go to the beaches? It, it's a bizarre world, friends, and only a believer is made to overcome this world. I remember we were in Murfreesboro, and, and a man came there, and, and he had a T-shirt, and it said, "It said, I survived Laodicea." And he showed it to brother Ed. Brother Ed said, "No, you got it wrong." He said, "I overcame Laodicea." <laughs> But that's what we are. We're overcomers by the name, by the blood, by righteousness, by prayer. And we've got a revelation that we're overcomer. Not that we're going to overcome. We've already overcome. And he overcame for us. We were just long for the ride. And he gave us a privilege. Do you want to take a blast off this morning? Do you want to take a ride? Well, open your Bible. Open a message book. Listen to a tape. I'll take you on a supernatural journey. Anytime you want. I've got 1,100 messages here. Every one of them is a masterpiece. You know, I was talking to people. And I don't know if you've ever heard Brother Branham's memorial service. When T.L. Osborne spoke there. And at that time, Brother Brandon, he only had a very few doors open to him around the country. A prophet, Elijah, the seventh church age messenger, with all that he accomplished, only had a very few doors open. And when Tommy, his ministry was just starting to rise back then in the mid 60s. And, you know, he was, I don't know, do I want, do I want to associate myself with somebody who's been blackballed? And listed as a false prophet, somebody who went off at the end, but he came. Now, in, in my, this is the way that, that I received it. You know, Brother Branham said in, in, the, in the Easter seal in 61, he's, he's talking to a woman, says, now sister, you don't know me, I don't know you, but there is one here, does know you, does know me. He said, now, when he and his spirit comes in, that's Jesus, when he and his spirit comes in, me, William Branham, and my spirit goes away. And he gives me a temporary, I, I was looking for that word, temporary, I, I know it's there. Now, I said, it's temporarily resurrection in my spirit. 
And he wants to use my body. And I'm so happy to loan it to him anything he can get out of it. I believe something similar happened when T.L. Osborne began to speak. Because in a short time, he showed who Brother Branham was, what he was sent to do, and what was accomplished. So I believe maybe God gave T.L. Osborne his mind. Maybe he gave him a little temporarily resurrection. And maybe Jesus came in and he eulogized his prophet to say who he was. If you haven't ever listened to that, friends... It will be a thrill for you. In fact, when I, I was witnessing to Brother Richard Milligan, I saw him down in Florida. And, and he was in the Pentecostal church. He was Benny Hinn's associate minister. And he and Brother Arnie grew up together. And he had told Arnie, that I, I don't want to know you anymore. I don't want to hear from you. You are a reproach to Christianity. So later on, you know, he gets in touch with Arnie. And he says, yeah, I'm ministering now. And I, I got this new thing. I'm into types. And types in the Bible. So Arnie said, well, Richard, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get you mad or anything, but Brother Brandon was one of the greatest typologists there ever was. So Richard tried to, he searched all around, bookstores, went to the, the distributors, anything by Brother Brandon. Nobody had it, or if they knew about it, stay away from it. So he had to go back to Brother Arnie. So Brother Arnie sent it to him, and, and Brother Arnie said, now, nah, Brother Arnie said, he said, he's a minister. He needs some, he needs a minister. He said, I, I just know it's in there. Huh? He was like ragu spaghetti sauce. It's in there. And he just believed it. So, so I spent a lot of time with Brother Richard. And one day I said, well, and, and only God put this in my, he said, I said, Brother Richard, who do you look up to in Pentecost today? He said, what? T.L. Osborne. I said, really? Would you like to hear what, what T.L. Osborne had to say about Brother Branham? And he was kind of, you mean he knew Brother Branham? I said, yeah. They were friends. I said, would you like to hear? He spoke at his memorial service. Would you like to hear it? He said, yeah, yeah. I sent it to him. Two weeks later, he and Sister Shelley were right there in, in the baptismal tank being baptized. And that was, see, all these things, they're like a weapon. Brother Matthew and the young people, what they're doing. I tell you, I hear about that all over the country. Uh, Brother Dutch Scott, Brother Samuel Dale, the churches, you know, they're thrilled to be able to get those little pamphlets about, you know, the the original sin in the garden and the five comings of Elijah and all those messages and and they're little tools, they're weapons. And we're a soldier. We got weapons and we want to use the weapons of our warfare. The Bible says they're not carnal, but mighty, pulling down strongholds, casting down imagination, cast down reason, cast down effects, cast down everything that exalted us up against the knowledge of God. And that's the mind of God that God has given to us by opening his word. Now, other people, they believe in spiritual warfare, but it's all carnal. It's all, you know, hocus pocus, carnal. When I was in the UPC church, every service they had, how many here have not received the baptism of the Holy? They come right down and they sit there and this one man, he was there and he was, he, he was a sincere man and he believed that God was going to give him glossolalia and he was waiting for God to quicken his tongue. And he went down service after service after service and they're sitting there, hang on, let go. They're all speaking in tongues around him, but the guy was sincere. He was not going to be a hypocrite. And after about 10 servers, he walked away. He said, I, I guess it's not for me. I guess I, I'm not a child. I don't have the Holy Ghost. You know what it is, friends? It is hypocrites producing hypocrites. They teach people how to speak in tongues. Because if you don't, you don't have the Holy Ghost. And you're not, you can't be a, a member of the UPC. The underprivileged children. I was there. I resemble that remark. And when I came, when I came into the message, it was amazing. They were having the, the convention in Louisville, Kentucky. 
So I'm only about two months reading Brother Brand's material, and I tell Arnie, I'm going to the UPC convention in Louisville, Kentucky. And Arnie, he have come out of his skin. What? Louisville, don't you know that's right over the bridge with the 16 people? No, I don't know what he's talking about. I, I already thought Arnie was a little bit crazy at that time, but, you know, now he's talking about the bridge and Louisville, Jeffersonville, and ship Shrimp's Candy Store, and go to the graveyard. So I promised him I would go to Jeffersonville. I would go to Voice of God. So I walk in there. And say, Hi, my name, my name's Ernie, and, and uh, my friend Arnie told me to come down here and take a little tour. And, uh, and I said, I'm with the UPC convention over in Louisville. So they looked at me real strange. They were nice. They gave me the tour. And, and so that was my first exposure to the message. But you know what the UPC, they had ministers meeting? They had three things they were discussing. Number one, should they bring their message to television to get it out there to the world? That was the first one. Number two, what about women preachers? Because some were allowing it. Some were dead set against it. And the third one was, what are we going to do about, about the, this Branhamism cult? We're losing some of our best people to this cult of Branhamism. They're following after a man. And there's some of our best people. Now, I'm there, and, and I'm reading the message, and I thought, what are we going to do about this cult of Branhamism? So it took a real revelation for me to overcome all those religious spirits that were on me. And only God can do that. He takes that sword and he separates the soul. And, and, and when you come down, your eyes, ears, taste, touch, smell, conscious, memory, imagination. Now the next one is reasoning. And every one of us that came to the message, we all had to reason. What about serpent seed? What about one God? Trinity is of the devil. What about baptism in the name of Lord Jesus Christ? What about predestination? What about foreknowledge? All these mysteries. What about Elijah? Seven churches. All these things. You have to reason it out. And maybe some of you are reasoning right now. Maybe you're, you know, is all this, is it real? Did God really send a prophet just like Moses? Just like Moses in our day. And our pastor knew him and fellowship with him and hunted with him and talked with him and had his mind opened by a prophet. And now he comes and helps open our mind. And Brother Ken Andy, he's one of my heroes, be able to sit there and just read and just correct everything. With everything going on in Jeffersonville, he's one of my heroes. <laughs> I mean, that guy, he, he was like he was like Stonewall Jack. He was like Stonewall Andy sitting there in spite of it all, just sitting there. With a revelation of who Brother Branham was and what he had come to do. And people around the world are blessed by that. So reasoning, you either reason yourself, if you're hearing the message, you're either going to reason yourself out of it or God's going to reason you into it. But again, it's our choice. And you know what you have to do? You have to feed on it every day. You're not a part-time believer, you're a full-time believer. Believers, unbelievers, make believers. Three kinds of shepherds. A feeder of the sheep, and a beater of the sheep, and a bleeder of the sheep. And I've been around all three of them. And I'm so thankful we've got shepherds that are feeders of the sheep. And you open your mind. The mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. And some people, the problem is they kept their minds so open, their brains have all leaked out. They haven't allowed the mind of Christ to come in. So now just coming down to the close now. The next one, affections. And in the world that we're living in, friend, affections is, is, is powerful. And people say, well, you know, uh, I've heard these people got a testimony. They were drinking and they smoking. And, and I, you know, I need a testimony. No, you don't need a testimony. 
Your greatest testimony is God will keep you from that. I wish I had that kind of a testimony. I wish I was a teenager and raised up in the, I wish I had Friday night services. I wish I was in a Christian school that preached the message. I wish I had a church to go to. All as I had was in organized insanity. That's what the Catholic Church was. And that was what I was in. Organized confusion. And I remember as a little kid, I said, I said, well, to the nun, what's this? How, how can God be three? And yet, well, oh, it's a great mystery. We won't understand until we get to heaven. I asked the priest, same thing. It's a great mystery. Won't understand that until we get to heaven. But I never could rest in that. It was, it was always a question in my mind. And so now when you have to reason, is this God? Is this the Bible? Is Jesus Christ in a new divine order? And the message is a supernatural update of God in a new divine order called the message of Jesus Christ delivered by a prophet of God. But thus saith the Lord. And we're the happiest people on the world. We're the most blessed people, the most fortunate people. You know, Brother Tim shows the, the, the videos of what's going on in Uganda now. And, and we've been to we've been to India and China. Brother Murphy goes to China. I tell you, Brother Murphy, you are a hero to a lot of people around this message for what you have done and, and the message in, in Chinese and, and the way it's been translated and what's going on there. It's, it's, it's marvelous. And people know about it. People, I heard all the time, people know where you sit. They know when you're not there. I've had people, how come you wasn't there at that service? Had a brother last a couple of weeks ago. I said, how come you wasn't there? I said, well, I was out travel. Okay. But, but the people know. They know who's singing. They know who's preaching. They know where you sit. They know what's happened to you. They know more about some, some of us. We're a family here. But some people know more about other people than we do. And we've got people. I was, I was down at Brother Samuel Dale's church and Brother Joe Canada there. He had some of the barnyard coffee. And he said, yeah, Brother Derek sent me some of that barnyard coffee. And you know what? Brother West said, how come I didn't get any coffee? That's Brother West's idea. How come I didn't get any coffee? And so, so Brother Joe hooked me up with Brother West on the, on, on the video there. So he, Brother West wants some barnyard coffee now. And, and, and maybe you want to get some to talk to Brother Derek about it. If you like coffee, he's a man. Why not give it to a brother instead of giving it to Starbucks or one of the other companies out there? So you, so you're reasoning. And I, I've, I've allowed God to reason me into the fact that out of the billions of people in the world, Brother Bram said when Jesus was here, only 1% of the people knew he was here. And this day, one one hundredth of 1% of the people will be exposed to the message. Think about you're the elite of God. And only by God's mercy are we that. Nothing that we did. It's grace, 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 grace. And I see many, just recently, I've seen a lot of people turn grace into disgrace. I walk with them. I rub shoulders with them. And Brother Bannon says, you know, in the last days, the days of Ananias and Sapphira will return. Well, I came eyeball to eyeball with some Ananias. Some real Ananias. Some big time Ananias. Ananias. And some sapphire. You know, I had so many, so many young ladies now. But they were little girls. They said, Brother Ernie, don't you remember me? You used to give me candy when I was a little girl. And I looked at them and said, whoa, I, I, I can't place you. They said, well, I'm sick. And I remember back what they were at 10 years old, 12 years old, 14 years old. And you want to talk about a bizarre twist to go from there to where they are now. Friends, watch your eyes. 
ears, taste, touch, smell. Make the right decision. Watch your conscience, your memory, your imagination. Station of creation in your imagination. If you allow it to be, it will be a dream machine of excitement, enchantment, and ecstasy. Supernatural wonders will explode like a Roman candle all around you if you allow it to. But it's your choice. Say, if that desire is not there, pray that God will give you that desire. Now affections. I remember as a young boy, I remember falling in love and falling out of love and falling in love and falling out of love. One, one fellow said that that life is one fool thing after another and puppy love is two fool things chasing each other. And that was me over and over and over and over and over. I started when I was a young boy and all the way up to the time of God to get a hold of me. There's a lot of puppy love there. And, you know, sometimes it was me that ended it. Sometimes it was a girl that ended it. And when that happened, it was like when it happened, it was like somebody reached into my heart, ripped out my heart and, and spit on it and threw it on the ground and stomped on it. He said, I don't want to see you no more. Don't want to talk to you no more. Whoa, that brain damage. And what do you do? You go home in the bedroom, close the door, shut the lights out. I don't want to eat. I can't sleep. Never going to be the same. She was the one. Well, you know what happened next month? Oh, really? There's a new one. Come along. But in the message, you wait for God to speak to you. That was like one of the most supernatural. When I, when I saw what courting is in the message, God speaks to a young man. God speaks to a young lady. They come to the pastor. They get together and then see where it goes from there. Down south, Brother Dutch was talking about one of his sisters in the church. He said, well, they're sparking. You know what sparking is, brother? That's dating. That's courting in the southern vernacular. Court, they're sparking. Getting to know one another. You know, get, 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 getting in contact, getting to know each other. God has got that same kind of a program. We've been attracted to God, and God has been attracted. God is attracted, always has been attracted to His bride. He's got that wedding band of unmerited grace that He wants to slip upon our fingers if we allow it to. So you can either allow your affections to be in the world, or you can set your affections on things that are above. So that's your, your, your outside realm, your inside place. But now the Holy of Holies, that's your soul. And Brother Branham said, in that soul is either God or the serpent, one or the other. There's no middle ground, no lukewarm believers there. It's God or the serpent. And Brother Branham said, that soul, that's a place where God has prepared for his believer and he wants to come and he wants to sit on the throne of your soul. I read it, I read it over and over, the control tower, the control tower, the control tower, the control tower. How God wants to come in there. You allow him to come in there and he will steer your ship right into a rapture, right into eternal life. You know, people have elevated themselves. Things never went well for them. All the people ever played Superman. It didn't end well for them. All the people who thought they were the king. You know, Elvis Presley, he was the king of rock and roll. Some of you probably never heard of him. Maybe you have heard of him. And Brother Rana said it took five or six psychiatrists to keep him on stage. If you haven't heard that one, go look it up. 
Now, Michael Jackson, I know Brother Branham's already gone, but Michael Jackson, he had so many, so many uh, problems in his mind, they had to give him anesthesia. They had, he had a doctor with him, and the doctor had to give him anesthesia every night. That's the only way he went to sleep. He had permanent insomnia. You can imagine what was going on in that mind, that you can't sleep and got to have anesthesia, got to be knocked out. And in the morning, they give him a shot to get him up. The king of pop, the king of rock and roll, Superman, didn't end well. There was one, I was about 11 years old when he came on the scene, a boxer. I am the greatest. His name used to be Muhammad Ali, or used to be Cassius Clay. Then it became Muhammad Ali. He was the greatest. But in the end, uh, I'm still the greatest. Wasn't too great back. Didn't end well for, for, for Muhammad Ali. It doesn't end well for anybody that elevates themselves or allows themselves to be elevated. There's one now. He's a basketball player. His name is LeBron James. And he calls himself the king. The great big giant, maybe, maybe like Goliath was. And his reputation, he can take a little orange ball and he can jump it and stuff it in, sorry, stuff it in that, that, that basket. And they give him, they, they just transferred him over to Los Angeles. He's got a $25 million mansion and he's building another one. Long-term contract in LA. Probably the king is going to be there when L.A. just slides right off into the Pacific Ocean. So don't look at the stars. Don't, don't, don't allow the world to become the heroes. Brother Kyle said it a while ago that the celebrity should have zero, zero influence on your life. Worldly, political, business, sports, music, actor, zero. Let's, let's stand to our feet, friends. Brother said, then when God was made flesh and became the Messiah, then if we can yield ourselves to be the anointed like he was, we become Messiahs, little lights. That's what the church is supposed to be, lights, little anointed one. That's God's church. And I could go into a lot, a lot of quotes about the super church, the super race. Brother Brown said, he said, sorry, super, 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 super church, super race. Everybody wants to be a super race. Hitler thought he had a super race. Found out he was wrong. Then he said, when it all comes down to sense, and he says, it's God's, the bride, God's super idea. And when that light comes, when the bride comes, he said, it's a sign of darkness coming upon the world. And friends, it is gross darkness that's upon this world. And if the cup of iniquity is not full now, Brother Brown said it was three minutes to midnight when he was here. I wonder, I wonder maybe how many seconds to midnight it might be right now. God's timepiece. And God has had his master mathematician, his scientist, his botanist, all everything in science. God had everything that we needed to know. It was there. He was a doctor. He was a lawyer. He was a judge. He was a lawyer. And he said that Jesus was our great lawyer. And the, and, and the judge said, you're guilty. But Jesus said, no, he, he's free. Free. You know, Satan hates that. Say, I hate that. I had him trapped. Alcohol. Drugs. Smoking. Lust. Oh, I had him trapped. I had him. And you set him free? Just like that? 
That's not, I worked for years trying to get that guy into that condition or her into that condition. And all of a sudden you're just going to come and just say, it's all, it's all, it's all like a dream now. It's all gone. That's, that's the gift that God is offering to us, friends. Let's, let's, let's bow our heads and just, just thank the Lord. Father, in, in Canada, they celebrated the Thanksgiving a while ago. And in America, the world celebrates it tomorrow. But the bride celebrates it 365 days a year. Every morning is Thanksgiving. Every afternoon, every evening is Thanksgiving. When we lay down on the pillow and consider who we are and where we're going, where we've come from. Oh, my Father, we just, we just can't thank you enough. I wonder if any, any people, young people here tonight, and maybe this has never become real. And you've heard it over and over. Maybe you see your friends surrender to God and their life's transformed. And maybe you say tonight, I, I want that. I, I, I want, I want this. I want what you're t- talking about to become reality. If this is true and it's supernatural and God's going to take me on a, on a sky ride into heaven, and beyond all the stars into a world that he's already prepared, if that's true, and we're living in the closing moments, closing seconds of time, I don't want to be left behind. And I'm not going to embarrass you. Brother Branham said, you know, when, when, receive your healing, receive it in your seat. Receive your salvation. Receive it in your seats, friend. But if that's you and you want to say, that's me, I want, I want all the way. I want everything that God has got for me. This is a supernatural feast, a supernatural smorgasbord that God has prepared, and I don't want to miss out on anything. God bless many hands that have, that have gone up. And let's just pray. Father. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to come and, and, and be with my family, be with the children of God, to see what you're doing and what you're going to do, Father. I just pray that you bless each hand, each heart, maybe even those that were considering surrendering tonight, but maybe, maybe it'll be tomorrow, maybe it'll be next week, next month. Father, we don't wanna, we don't want to wait too long. We don't wanna be waiting when the rapture comes. Now ask the question, if the rapture were to take place today, where would you be tomorrow? I trust you'd be shouting with the saints of God, seeing that revelation of the resurrection take place, and then go on to the wedding supper, and then to come back for a millennial reign, and then all of eternity. I'm just so amazed, Lord, that throughout all of eternity, you can't even put a time on it, but we'll never ever, ever be bored. And I'm never bored, Father. I, I, I just want to be with your symphony. I want to be with the right beat, the right rhythm, the right harmony. I want to know that sheet music and that sheet music has been delivered to us. And we're so thankful to receive it. Let's, let's sing a song. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And I'll sing one verse and just turn the service over to Brother Tom or Brother Ed, who is ever going to come. But but that's that's the revelation. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And whatever you're going through, friends, God is the God, you know, the God that does the impossible. I've had that revelation recently. When I had a problem with my feet, I thought my racquetball days were over. 
Brother Matthew invited me out. To, he wanted to learn about racquetball. He said, well, maybe you can show us, Brother Ernie, and tell us about the rules. And I was out there twice with him, played two hours, racquetball for two hours. Never thought I'd do that again. God is a God of the miraculous. God bless you, friends. Let's, let's sing that song and let it become a reality. Lord, prepare to be a sanctuary. to the U.S. Thanksgiving season. And we end off with a song with Thanksgiving. Brother Ernie's title, I believe, was Happy, Humble, and Holy. Are you happy this evening that you've received a holy message that can produce a humble people? And that, that, that is really the essence of it. It is a holy message. It's a holy word that is creating a humble people. And true humility, the prophet said, was to receive his word. Amen. And that then produces a people that are happy. Thank you, Jesus.
no man shall see God so Lord you had to send a pure holy word to make a people humble to receive the word that Lord that there could be a joy within our souls and a happiness within our heart to know that we have passed from death unto life love to be reminded of the grace of God Love to be reminded about the blood of Jesus Christ. Love to know, Lord, that we remember the future. A question asked a great man called Stephen Hawking. How come we can't remember the future like we remember the past? And Lord, it just dawned on me this evening. You have given us a holy message that we can remember the future home. We can remember the things that are to be. We remember the future, Lord. And that's why we're happy tonight to rejoice in the goodness of God. Thank you for a word. Thank you for a messenger, Lord. Thankful for a faithful man of God. Ran with a message packing Malachi 4, the word of life displayed, producing a people in this last wicked age, terrible darkness. But Lord, we've arisen and we're glowing with the glory of God. Lord, so we've heard the word. Now I pray we'll go rejoicing. Thanking you for the grace of God in this Thanksgiving season. We praise your holy name. We thank you for the word, Brother Ernie, with the zeal and the joy that he has delivering the word of God is always an encouragement. And we thank you for his life. Go with us, Lord, with a joy in our heart. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Can't you see why I'm happy? I believe the message of Malachi 4. Why don't we sing that as we get ready to go and shake one another's hand. Can't you see why I'm so happy? I've accepted. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints.